Hello, everyone. I'm Will Leverson, and this is Sports Spot Weekly. Today's episode, our week five midseason matinees. We had a couple great ones lined up for you here on the show here today. And although there's been tons of great football, of course, uh, my goodness, the, the exceptional play uh, stepping into the responsibility of helming a team uh, with uh, not all that much of an expectation for anything other than, you know, hey, the Texans went out and got uh, themselves a new quarterback through the draft. And, and as far as the expectations of the Texans, uh, uh, based off where they have been, uh, admittedly here in the last few seasons, at least three uh, to four, if not more, even with Deshaun Watson at the helm, the team did not uh, exactly uh, rise to a, a level of play uh, where they were playing into a Super Bowl, unfortunately. So the Texans haven't quite hit that stride, but what they have with C.J. Stroud is something that is uh, special. Uh, when I had an opportunity to take a look that first game, against the Ravens, and of course the expectation would be that the Ravens, uh, even before the season began, or you you know, you know take a look at it on paper, you're just saying, okay, for the Ravens, is this opening game, you know, is the expectation that this is going to, you know, be anything other than, you know, a professional game and they should win, given the level of talent they have on that, you know, on that team, and then you grow that conversation out from there. Then you start to talk about Lamar Jackson and, 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 and how well, you know, he plays, and all that, but what we got a chance to see in that was CJ Stroud did not seem, uh, uh, nay it is, I know not seems. He was in that situation, even facing that incredibly poised, had a command of the team and the offense, and the players definitely were playing to that. And you grow that conversation out from there. That game, uh, the expectation for me was that I, I labeled it as Peyton esque the way that he had an immediate command in an NFL game didn't seem to be rattled by the moment or, or wasn't rattled by the moment. Of course, as we see, he's been playing there into some great play for that for that ball club. So hats off to the Texans for finding something in the draft and addressing that need. And so far, that uh, orientation, uh, that dedication towards that future for the team so far playing out well. So I don't expect this upcoming week to look anything less than what the expectation would be for a uh, rookie quarterback uh, in in this professional NFL able to uh, play the way that he has there for that team. Uh, so hats off to the Texans. Uh, don't expect them to uh, to have any other uh, things to answer other than what is their future for with C.J. Stroud. Given the Saints do you have some questions to answer as to what their team is going to be competing uh, in their investment into uh, the Derek Carr era uh, there in, in, in for the Saints uh, there and a path forward uh, that they have in the aftermath of their realignment of the retiring uh, of, of Drew Brees and then Sean Payton moving on to other opportunities beyond the Saints? So I do expect C.J. Stroud and the Texans to play well. I say that's another close one, 24-18 Texans in that game. Uh, and so the next couple of ones that really jump out to us there, and as we said, this is our matinee, right? So that's a bit, uh, that there, that, that's, the, uh, that, that's the promo. That's the C.J. Stroud promo uh, of his uh, upcoming movie there, Rising Talent. 
uh, there, the CJ Stroud story. And we get to see, you know, a, a brief flash of what he's been doing here. This will be a highlight in that against the Saints team there. But the next, um, really, uh, if you're going to talk about, you know, what it means to be able to appreciate the game, uh, I am not a fan of a particular team. Uh, I can't ascribe myself as a bandwagon person. I am always able to, even with our business operations, that, you know, mine in that sense there, and that business mentorship, always sort of looking to celebrate and highlight things so that we're able to take that and then, you know, want to celebrate and emulate that you know, across the board. So definitely uh, the other uh, Ricky quarterbacks there, Richardson's playing well uh, uh, there on the Colts and, uh, and, and definitely – uh, even to the second year person in Brock Purdy as we're looking to the uh, Cowboys and 49ers. Now, it's not we're not you know, we we never get into the sensationalism, the blockbustering of it. I mean, there's marketing, there's going to be commercials, there's going to be promos, there's going to be talk, twittering or Xing or uh, the, the social media verse around this game. Certainly the bigness of personalities in or around both teams are going to uh, do well enough to hype it up that it's not, we're not looking at it, you know, solely for the bigness of the personality of two teams that uh, really have made moves in the recent, in the recent couple years that we're going to ever, you know, when things are relevant, I can't, you know, ascribe to things that Dallas may not have done in the prior 30 years or so that it's coming up on since they have uh, last attained any sustainable presence in the postseason, let alone winning a Super Bowl or anything like that. And so uh, I get it. And also the 49ers, uh, a bit of a similar story. Uh, The last time that they uh, were in a Super Bowl there, um, uh, it didn't turn out so well that, you know, what, for, or, or, or what they had hoped, uh, they're uh, trying to get to the Super Bowl here this year, uh, with some of the injuries. And then you grow the conversation back from there, the appearance that they had with Colin Kaepernick, they played well with the Alex Smith years there that he was there well enough to play into the postseason, you know, win some games early in the playoffs, but failed to obtain that Super Bowl stride. And then with Colin Kaepernick and an amazing, talented, uh, a team there, uh, the 49ers, the, the basis that of the aggressive defense and that defensive identity, even, you know, in the aftermath of having former Bears coach Mike Singletary. And then, of course, uh, ha- having that identity as migrating towards a, a bolstered defense, you know, something that is of some note. And you grow that conversation from there. And then we have personalities like Nick Bosa uh, uh, there and. And so uh, it's 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 a thing. It's a thing of beauty there. What the 49ers have been able to do in wanting to get themselves back to a winning identity, even down to the selection of their head coach. You can't help but think that there was a bit of a a bravado of history when it came down to selecting Kyle Shanahan, getting him as the head coach of the 49ers, given the history of the 49ers and Denver Broncos and a sort of rivalry between Joe Montana and John Elway. And you grow that out from there. And, and some of what we'll, you know, see as some of the, some of the greatest era of, of football and rivalry and such. So it, it's a, it's an interesting story 
uh, to see the 49ers, how they, and then, you know, getting John Lynch also, another uh, person of note when you talk about the history of a Denver Broncos and that. So I can appreciate everything that the 49ers have done. I would have more than likely done some of the similar things there. So don't get me to lie to you uh, there. So I, I really do appreciate the team and how it's constructed from the top down. Uh, down to the players, the personality of the players, man, the type of players that are on the 49ers now, uh, 49ers now, those are some players. Make no mistake about it. This is some of the most exciting offensive football that we will have a chance to witness uh, there in our modern time. You know, you'll hear me talk about eras of, you know, like in comic books, there's silver age and golden age and modern era. Well, in our modern era, there will not be, you know, there's talk about greatest shows on turf and, and what Miami has going on. That's great stuff for sure. Uh, you know, and the history and legacy of awesome offenses there. And then there are some, you know, sprinkle some of what Sean Payton was able to take from a growing identity, uh, there, uh, with the Saints from the, the Saints weren't necessarily relegated to mediocrity in the immediate years preceding Sean Payton's time, but in times before that, uh, before it, and, and when Aaron Brooks gets the team from, from the Green Bay Packers and, and then the team starts building towards some winning other identity other than that being the, you know, sort of a, a, a mediocre other also ran as a team on the schedule, building up some identity with getting offensive playmakers, a Phillip Rivers. Uh, uh, first beginning of his incarnation as a quarterback. Uh, Philip Rivers is legend as a playability, a, a quarterback with some playability also was born of the emerging saints as not being mediocre. And so when you grow that conversation out from there, Sean Payton takes over that and, and in a Steve Kerr-esque uh, sort of trajectory where he takes over a team that maybe had not yet attained a winning identity in the playoffs, but certainly not relegated to the also-rans on the schedule any longer. Uh, and there's a, a Mike Dick, a, a Ricky Williams uh, uh, era there also in that, uh, along with that Phillip Rivers time frame. So there are, you know, other sorts of, you know, ways that we're able to look at and appreciate the game of the 49ers and Cowboys, other than the bigness of all of that. But when it comes down to our matinee here, as we've built that up and, you know, we've given you the innards of of how we got to the movie, the, uh, the appreciation that we'll have on the show for popular culture, uh, the Game of Thrones battle between Jon Snow and Ramsey. Uh, I'm sorry, Reese Bolton. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Ramsey. Ramsey. <laughs> sorry, it's Ramsey uh, there. Uh, Reese was his dad, uh, a little bit of uh, a Game of Thrones uh, 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 lineage there. But uh, the Battle of the Bastards was this, uh, you know, sort of comically on the show. And, you know, it was, you know, it was a great sort of stick for a fantasy um, series to sort of make fun at the notion that the two people in this, you know, that are about to, you know, decide a, a portion of the realm's entire, you know, future are two people who were looked at as bastards or otherwise, you know, uh, uh, glorified also rans, you know, people that whose fathers uh, sired them and they weren't, you know, in the, in, in the, from the, you know, out of wet, out of wetlock or whatever you want to call it. But then, you know, here these two unlikeliest of people arrive at this point, you know, thrust 
against each other uh, in, in destiny and and in that and and how that would eventually turn out for the unwilling hero, the person is he the prince that was promised? Is it a dragon? Who is it? It's Jon Snow, though the unlikeliest of 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 people who have some true claim to the universe's throne. And so you grow that conversation. Take a look at our midseason matinee for the Cowboys and 49ers, the Battle of the Bolsters. Bolsters being what both teams have done uh, as in retrospect to that uh, climb and you know towards some winning identity as we were just referencing there in both teams' histories. The Cowboys um, have had some semblance of winning, uh, but they have not reattained that Super Bowl level of consistency that we had in the 90s and then before that um, uh, there in, in, in football's uh, sort of silver age uh, at this point in time now. And so uh, it, it's a great story to see both where both teams are, but there can only be one winner or at least now in the Super Bowl, and you got to sort of play now. They're not going to let Super Bowl in in a tie. But you still tie <laughs> in a regular season, and I think that's what counts. But I don't – this game isn't going to win – end in a tie. Uh, and and so uh, – and I shouldn't say isn't going to. The likelihood that that happens – I mean, should it end in a tie, that would be fitting. That would be almost like an anime-esque sort of football show where, you know, two teams with, with that sort of destiny and trajectory, uh, they're so great. Uh, they, they, you know, when they played each other with such a competitive game that neither of them could best the other, you know, that will be decided at a later time. You know, that's <laughs> if we're talking about our midseason bad day, that would be a great way. Uh, you know, if, if, and if this ends that way, that this, you know, let, far be it beyond us, to say that we weren't maybe the first or maybe the first second uh, per people that may have said that in any sort of public forum where it ends up being in some sort of seriousness. But I don't really believe that the game ends in a tie uh, there. But that would be a great, uh, as far as a matinee, that would be a great uh, a great lead into that uh, uh, there uh, should, the, should the teams tie. But in this and what we see the 49ers doing when we had our preseason show, uh, we uh, talked about that the 49ers and a couple teams, their story, you know, arriving at a similar um, sum there that through their entirety, it's all going to come down to despite what all the other efforts are, what their quarterback does, you know, how well they play or, or how available they will be, how mistake free they will be, how no matter what type of quarterback they are on the teams that they have given their playability at their optimal best, which team in this should win this Super Bowl or should win this game or is maybe, or, you know, if that, if that's the sort of absolute that we like to uh, ascribe ourselves to, not really, but once again, we just like to give everything. It's equal space uh, uh, here. This isn't a stat base. The 49ers are so because it's all going to get down to no matter what the stats tell us, how well is it that these teams are at their 
uh, uh, playability against each other and how, you know, it, it's just like how they say it's all about matchups. Kind of is in football, too. It could be that that matchup at a certain time is it doesn't have the sort of strength of purpose that it would should X player be available as opposed to guys being out. So at this point in time, you grow that conversation out from there. So we can't invent that the Dallas Cowboys are entering into this game without a key defensive player in a situation where there are offensive juggernauts pretty much at all levels of where they're talking about the offensive line, a, 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 a tight end, receivers, running backs that can block and are also receivers, af, af, you know, athletic people, you know, and then you have the Brock Purdy, you know, it's like, what is the answer to the Brock Purdy question? And I'm not sure if at this point there's really been anything other than, well, Kyle Shanahan is his coach and how he has that player plan. I mean, some of the same things we can appreciate that Matt LaFleur and the Packers are doing with Jordan Love. I know that the the game that just happened, but the Lions were supposed to win that game in their trajectory. Jordan Love performed as we would expect a newer quarterback stepping into a system and having to play in that in that environment at home and, and honestly the stakes and the Lions are on a different trajectory. You know, we couldn't expect the Lions to drop one really to the Packers after what they've done this season and at the end of last season. So, you know, far be it beyond me to say that Jordan Love performed like a new quarterback. But up until the, that point, he had been playing well in, in what Matt LaFleur has him playing like. So we migrate that conversation over to a capable, my goodness, roster that the 49ers have built with all those parties we mentioned in between uh, a, a Lynch, uh, a John Lynch uh, there and a Kyle Shanahan and system and, and, and all those things in history and that. And what the 49ers have done, given the availability of their players that they have, my goodness, they did have a situation maybe with trying to shore up their defense. Uh, they didn't have a, 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 a question to answer that the Chiefs didn't have to answer at the same, you know, at, at a point earlier in the season. So, hey, that's just the way that, that you know, the game goes. Um, but what we have in this game, the 49ers are entering this war, this battle of the bolsters. Two teams that have bolstered their, their teams up to be able to compete in a, in battle in the NFL, which is the battle that everybody's trying to get to and win for the bragging rights and swag of saying, hey, yep, guess what? My skills and everything led to a winning effort. We won a Super Bowl, got me a ring and a trophy and some nice pictures and hopefully some type of extra money somewhere, whether it be over with the same team or because you were a part of a Super Bowl with an effort, you get that later on in your career. But however it goes in the battle of the bolsters in which both teams had bolstered themselves up to enter a battle like this, it's going to come down to the team that, well, enters with the firepower. And if that firepower is superior, then they should win the game. Right now, the 49ers firepower in all sizes is, is, is at this point more superior. You grow that conversation out from there. 49ers should win this game. Uh, I, I, I don't think it'll be a close one like that. There will be, you know, some people call it garbage time. It's still in an NFL game and people are still trying to win. But I think there will be a, a, a there won't be an end winning effort. It will be an end. Let's try to see if we're able to win. 
But the 49ers, because they're entering to this with their firepower, they're, they, 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 they are my, if there's a such thing favorite, I'm saying 49ers win this. Um, pathway to Dallas winning. <laughs> See, like I said, it seems generic. It really does. And it seems lazy. And honestly, it, 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 it's when we say things like, oh, the quarterback, it, it really, you know, but the reason why being is that it, it's going to be important. Brock Purdy is still growing. He has not. He has not Roethlisberger'd his situation. He have not come in as a, as, as a young, as a, as a new talent helm in a team built to compete in the playoffs and or win a Super Bowl and with an assortment of talent early in his career. No, Brock Purdy has not Roethlisberger'd his situation. That is a growing situation. This is not something where we're looking at, you know, Ben Roethlisberger within the first four years. He's already gone and won a Super Bowl um, and then starts competing in, 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 in himself into another one uh, to win a, a, a well within 10 years of his first 10 years in the league. And so we don't have that yet. Last season, honestly, would have been it. Brock Purdy competes in Super Bowl wins. He Roethlisberger's his situation. We're not even talking about this season. It's been it Brock. Is Brock Purdy? A, no, he just been to Super Bowl one. So now it's like, well, what's the future now? And so right now, the future's still growing for Brock Purdy. So Brock Purdy in this moment, because of the battle that this is, Brock Purdy has to come out here and John and not John Snow the situation. Nope. Brock Purdy has to come out and be the best version of a beater, a world beater. He has to be more Daenerys than anything. At this point, he's coming in with his dragons that he has, and it's time to lay waste, man, to the battle. They are saying that you don't have a claim to the space of greatness. When we're talking about one of the other players we'll get to here later in the show. So Brock Purdy right now has to come with those dragons, the, the McCaffreys and the Debo's and the Brandon Ayuk's and, 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 and all of that and come in and lay waste and make no and leave no room for anything else other than I am Brock Purdy. I've arrived and, and, and it's only a matter of time. I just got to get I just got to get there to the game. So that has to be the approach that Brock Purdy takes in this. He does that. He wins his game. Now, when we talk about, oh, it's all going to come down to the quarterback. It's not lazy to say that if Dak – and let's get away from fallacy. Dak Prescott comes out here and plays a mistake-free game. He gives his team the best chance of competing to win in this game. The only way that the 49ers lose this is, is, is if at their main position in this war, because they do have other weapons – but if Brock Purdy comes out here or should Brock Purdy come out here and not play to that level that we had just described as far as the jitters and all that stuff, like that's not what we're going to say that the professional athlete has, but there might be some level of anxiousness uh, in the moment. But if he, he, all he has to do is really come out here, Brock Purdy come out here and play a superb game, given his weapons, he's going to win. Dak has a Far more up here battling this than what Brock Purdy has. He does. Dak is entering into the game without one of his main defensive assets, 
So now he has to go out and overcompensate for that, not overcompensate. He has to, in his play, that is questioned because of the mistakes that we see that have costed that team. Dak cannot come out here and play anything less than I can take my I can take this army and I can win. I can do this. It doesn't matter what the situation that we're going up against. Given anything that we got, we're going to win because I am this team's I I, I am I am what this team needs. Dak has to come out here with a level of playability in this game because this is important. This this is an important game. It's not all it's early in the season, all that. Nope. Because when it comes down to common opponents and things that may happen, especially within your division, even for the 49ers, they still have a game on their schedule that's going that is going to be one of the key, one of the true key battles of deciding. The NFC, the, the the entirety of the conference, how that's going to shape up heading into the um, last last couple quarters of the season. There, the last last seventy five percent there, a bit of the season gone. When we've got about maybe four or five games left, what's going to come down in the schedule there between the 49ers? And whatever the Seahawks in that division, whatever they are, whether it's Geno Smith able to, you know, be the quarterback of that team, able to stay upright and, and, and that team comes together and able to play 49ers still have some battles that they have to prove in their own realm. But this battle here, this is the one where they, where, where, where they're on their way into their dominance in their own prerogative, but they still have, they still have to go face this other army here. And that's exactly what's going on here. So the battle of the bolsters is going to come down to who enters this game with firepower. And right now it is the 49ers, 49ers win. The other game that we're going to highlight here is equally um, there. But it's one of those ones where these guys are in their own realm. This one is for the direction headed into the midway point, our midseason matinee, headed into the midseason point here. Who in the AFC North in that very competitive division that, that hosts great offense, uh, great offenses, great defenses. My goodness. Um, whatever's going on with Cincinnati, there's something else going on there that may be, you know, injury related. We won't know until that thing plays itself out and we get whatever we get in, you know, in, 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 uh, in, in the future on that. But right now, the Steelers and Ravens game. And I know we can say, hey, every year the Steelers-Ravens game, you know, is a big one, you know, because of history and because of just the, you know, even the location. You got Pittsburgh and Baltimore in that corridor, that mid-Atlantic corridor, you know, as you get out to the uh, upper northeast and, and into areas like Virginia, getting on down to the Carolinas and that area of the Atlantic, uh, getting down to the southern part of that. And so it is a big game in, you know, even in every market sense, music, it, 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 it's a big game, uh, different areas, different swags, different appreciations, um, different East Coast feels, different grittiness. 
And so that's what we have in games where we have Ravens and Steelers. And then you grow that conversation out from there, the personalities of our new modern old time there, where instead of it being Bill Cower, we've got Mike Tomlin. And instead of it being Greg Lloyd, we've got Troy Palomalu. We've got James Harrison. And we got, uh, 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 you know, uh, we have Ben Roethlisberger and we've got, um, well, you know, Joe Flacco, you know, to, 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 he still won a Super Bowl there, even though he wasn't the main identity of that team. Some would argue it was more Ray Rice in that running game. And then before that, Jamal, uh, Jamal Lewis, uh, to a greater degree, but also, uh, of that Ravens defense against the Steelers defense. You know, the steel curtain versus what, you know, the all-timer and, and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and the late Tony Siragusa early in that team's iteration there. And then you also have Haloti Nata, who one of the, um, at that point, uh, early in the Ravens, uh, de- de- you know, all-time defensive identity boy, Haloti Nata is an unsung uh, talent at defensive tackle that we probably we, 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 it'll be the last time we see defensive tackles like that, uh, with, with, with Halote, uh, there, but, um, then Terrell Suggs, man, and, and, and it's just, boy, um, it's just something to take a look at when you have what the Ravens have been able to do. Uh, the Ravens, of course, the team's history picking up from where the Cleveland Browns, when the Cleveland Browns left Cleveland there for a minute. It's like, it's funny that things have been now back so long that it's like they never left. (laughs) So uh, when it comes down to the Ravens and that, you know, how do you get a Jamal Lewis on the Ravens was because he was on the Browns when the Browns left and went, to Baltimore and became the Ravens in, the, in that. And so and then, of course, the Browns come back uh, there, um, uh, there. But we, it's just sort of, so what happened there, uh, uh, and, and, and you have something where you have a new identity and then they hire Ozzie Newsome uh, there. Uh, and Ozzie does a fantastic job there, uh, getting that team in that identity and what it even means to be a Baltimore Raven and having that identity. What a great football story that the Baltimore Ravens are. And when you take a look at, of course, the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the bigness of that history, right? And the, you know, the recent passing of, of legend, uh, uh, Mean Joe Green there. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Franco Harris there. I apologize, Franco Harris. Uh, it uh, uh, it's one of those things where you have, and I and truly apologize there, but it was Franco Harris there. Uh, but we um, uh, we it, it, we we can't appreciate enough. Uh, when it comes down to the football, because a lot, you know, we want to see, you want to see, you know, winning and you want to see all that. But what Mike Tomlin has done uh, for, I would say, even my generation, I'm, I'll be, I'm 42 years old. So I have life with Bill Cowher. But for most of my adult formative story, 
Mike Tomlin has been the coach of these Pittsburgh Steelers. And for many, even, you know, whether you're a, a recently retired player or, or, or that Mike Tomlin actually is the identity. When you talk about the coach of the Steelers and what it means to be, you know, they got Chuck Nolan, they got uh, Bill Cowher, they got Mike Tomlin, man. And to be able to have that longevity in an area with expectations of excellence, and it's not that it's an obnoxious expectation. Pittsburgh Steelers fans have come to know a certain quality when it comes down to their football. And then you grow that conversation out from there. How do you manage that identity? Because, you know, a lot of what someone, well, not someone, but a lot of what the uh, sports world is saying is that, well, you've got to have a, a great offensive identity if you're going to make waves in this sports world. And what the Steelers have done is to be able to navigate having that aggressive defensive identity, and it has worked for that team. And so when we're taking a look at the Steelers versus Ravens, this is every bit of a NFL, uh, you know, like how we talk about, you know, having those movies there. This is like an NFL, a football movie, Okay. And what this is, is this is the this is Swag Bowl. That's the name of the movie. The Ravens and Steelers game, the Steelers and Ravens game here. This is the NFL Swag Bowl movie where we get to see, you know, two of these great stories. You know, we get the flashing, not flashiness, but, you know, we get the bigness of the of the premier personality of the movie in Lamar Jackson. Right. Lamar Jackson is our best actor in our movie. Right. But then we got the best supporting actor, man, and what we have going on in the story there with uh, with Pickett and the um, and, and the Steelers there. So um, it's 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 a great uh, way to enter into the midpoint in the season. I know this is week five, and I know there's 17 games, so we're talking more around about games eight and nine. But at this point where we're entering into nearly halfway done, right at about the 40% mark of the season, we haven't hit true 50, but we are getting there. Okay. And again, these games that we just mentioned, uh, the game with the, uh, the battle of the bolsters between the 49ers and Dallas make in the, in the Cowboys make no mistake about it. This game matters even though it's early in the season, you know, the NFL schedulers, you know, there is, there's gotta be, you know, there, there isn't just analytics and all it just sort of shook out this way based off of some nope. There's gotta be a hint of marketability and everything we do and intention and everything we do, or there would be no reason to do it. So I, I do believe that this game is going to decide the early mid-season trajectory of both conferences, both the AFC with the Steelers and Ravens game. What Lamar Jackson did uh, here, and I know we're getting ready to bring the show to a close here, but I am confident that Lamar Jackson has the talent and ability to 
put have that Ravens team in as best position to win a Super Bowl. I have not seen a player do what Lamar Jackson. I've, and I, 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 part of my time grew up watching Michael Vick. The other point, I was an adult watching Michael Vick, and they would appreciate him, you know, a little bit differently being a being an adult as opposed to a young adolescent or you know or growing adolescent. But what I can tell you is, is that what Lamar Jackson did against the Browns, and I, I, I know he won an MVP. The way of the first the first touchdown where there's an okay, so there's an expectation in, in anything that we do, right? Whether we're, you know, at work, we have coworkers or whatever that, you know, that hey, if I do my job and this person does theirs, we got a great day. And you grow that conversation out from there into the successful teams, whether it's whatever you're doing, and whether it's a nurse, you know, a team of nurses, a team of doctors, a a, 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 a fire team, a firefighting team, any, any time where there is a sharing of responsibility and, and the ability to navigate your own responsibility without respect to having to worry about what's going on. You grow that conversation out from there. That's a healthy relationship. That's a healthy work environment and all those things. The Baltimore Ravens, Despite some questions some had as to, you know, if Lamar wasn't, you know, what would the team respond to Lamar Jackson in the aftermath of what happened uh, last postseason with his injury and being available and all that. The Baltimore Ravens have the best NFL playbook or, you know, when we're looking at their product on the field, that is a complete trust. That is a complete Involving some involving yourself in your responsibility, the Baltimore Ravens, the blocking from when Lamar pulled the ball in to everything. It's not simply it. Oh, it's a design run, and it's Lamar Jackson. His ability to navigate through those defenders, the way that people were were were, were not people, but the way that his blockers were out in front, the way that. That was some of the most exceptional to the letter. Everyone invested in doing things. And it's not just, well, that was early in the game. So guys had energy. That was in a complete involvement. And you, that can only happen when people are truly on, all on board here. That the, as far as the personalities and all of that, that, that was such a, sharing amongst equals in a scoring moment that I've seen, and you grow that conversation out from there, in that game, the offense, not at points, you can tell, like I said, I am telling you this, and I'm going to stand by this, that Lamar Jackson is a God-blessed Porsche on a Buick lot. When that offense seems bogged and mired. That's not because Lamar Jackson just doesn't have it on that series. And he obviously underplayed that and just has to play better. Nope. I'm telling you that there is a, somebody can be so good that there's nothing that, that, that you can do in your situation to really orient or augment that. 
it just kind of has to, you know, be itself in the situation, grow that conversation out from there. There might be somebody so fine that there is no way that you're dealing with. You grow the conversation out from there that as far as you trying to, you know, show your esteem for them. At some point, you're like, man, this person don't even need me to do this for them, for real. You know what I'm saying? You just, at some point, you sort of feel uh, not inadequate, but you just don't feel like there's going to be anything you do because of how you look at that person. And you grow that conversation out from there, whether that's an, a great employee at work and you're a manager and there's nothing that you, that you can really do for that person. You just kind of got to let them you know, whether, you know, it's not that they can't be coached, but they're going to sort of just be their awesomeness. You just kind of got to manage that. With Lamar Jackson, his ability to impose his playability in, in a moment where that offense is bogged down, the only other time that we see a player be able to do that in the sport is in basketball with a player like Michael Jordan or LeBron or Kobe or really any player that we've seen, Larry Bird, any player be able to in a moment, there is a need of a playability in a moment and that player is able to then go out there with their skill and talent. We need a three, guy goes out there and gets a three. Steph Curry too, I'm just saying, as far as the ability to do that in a moment, basketball, soccer, things like that, it can kind of happen a little bit easier than it can in like baseball or it's, it's especially in football when you can you can be a Lamar Jackson and be, you know, uh, able to move around all you want. But you're at a different expectation than Barry Sanders to do that. Barry Sanders is is, is expected to take hits as a running back. He was elusive, but he he was expected to get hit. You don't want your quarterback getting hit. That's why they have blockers in that. So for Lamar Jackson's ability to be able to do that in a football game and in, in situations need that and go out and get that is the greatest that I've ever seen ever happen in a football game where we're talking about a quarterback now running back. Yeah. Receiver catching, you know, yards after the catch, being able to go out there and get that. That's a different whole playability than a quarterback. When a offense is bogged down, you can dial up the play. You know, yes, someone still has to call the play and put them into that situation, but the complete trust and belief Let's stop short of faith because that's a different operation, okay? But the 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 investment and the the trust in in someone being able to take that responsibility that you place on them in that play call and go out and get that. I'm going to tell you that that's special. I'm not sure how much you were able to duplicate that beyond a season. I really don't. But what I can tell you is this, is that this season, that is a very special ability to be able to have in a, you know, in, in your team and in, 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 in what you can demand in that moment. So what I'm going to tell you is this. I expect that defensive identity of the Steelers to come out in all TJ wattage of it. Um, I expect it to come out and play fantastic defensive football probably 
uh, when we talked about defensive identity and in, in, in Swag Bowl, this matinee, this matinee movie Swag Bowl, we're going to all root for the Steelers defense in this game because we're all at one point in this game when we're watching it, we're going to believe that that defense is actually that good to where they might be able to dictate this game on their own terms. But because there is a Lamar Jackson on the other side of that ball, it's going to play out like every bit of a blockbuster movie where we're going to see our star player go out and be that star player. Hopefully everything holds up for a healthy and competitive game, but barring anything unfortunate happening, a healthy and competitive game, that's the way that our Swag Bowl movie is going to play out. Our lovable bad guy in the Steelers defense, we're going to root for them in our Swag Bowl movie. But man, just because Lamar Jackson is, he is the main, he he is the star player in this movie. Make no mistake about it. And he has good, he has to be that star player. If you're writing this matinee movie, you're going to go, you know, watch this on an extended lunch or something. I don't know why you got time after 10 o'clock in the morning, but you do. And you got time before two. So you go and see the matinee movie. You go see this movie Swag Bowl. That's how the movie plays out. Uh, everyone. The Steelers defense does well. Star player Lamar Jackson does his exceptional star Lamar Jackson things that he can do in a moment when that team needs it and dials it up. But I do think a low scoring game. I actually say that that Lamar Jackson comes out and 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 and, and wins best actor for Swag Bowl in the 21-18 Swag Bowl movie. Nope. No, I won't even give it that. 27-24. Ravens win. 27-24. And now this game was good. I, I think that this game will come down to somewhere between third, fourth quarter. Well, will. That's when the game is over. No. Yeah. I think that that's where the game is. Done. I, don't, I don't think that this will be an early, you know, early, big, early, big, Point splash, maintaining it through, throughout. I don't believe that this is going to happen. Uh, and I don't think it'll be a big point splash. And then basically the, the team that, that started out hot in the head is just sort of managing it to where we see just one team battling back all game. I think that this one is going to be a battle. And then it's going to splash open somewhere in the third and fourth quarter. And that's where this game is going to be. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please listen and share. Sports Spot Weekly. Thank you all and please be safe.